this is Shayla Adam Stafford, and you're listening to Project Based Learning in Practice. Thank you for tuning in to another week of PBL in Practice, a broadcast where we talk with top leaders in project based learning from all over the country. Our goal is to discover best practices, share successes and failures, and basically learn from each other. My name is Shayla Adams-Stafford, and I've been an educator for the past 10 years, focusing specifically on project-based learning. I'm a member of the National Faculty of Buck Institute and founder of Remix Education, a nonprofit that serves first-generation college-bound students. Enough about me. Let's dive into our guest for today. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Janelle Brown the founding Deputy Executive Director and Director of Curriculum and Instruction at Sustainable Futures Public Charter. She refers to herself as a teacher by trade and an educator by passion. Originally from Seattle, Washington, she began teaching informally with the University of Washington's Upward Bound program, where she went on to earn a BA in American Ethnic Studies and complete a double minor in Education and Diversity. She then relocated to Ward 8 of Washington, D.C., where she became a resident and delivering specialized instruction for middle school students in District of Columbia Public Schools. Over the past five years, she's taught high school students, gaining experience with special education and general education teaching methods, as well as curriculum development in D.C. public charter and disciplinary alternative education settings. She also taught as a summer faculty fellow with University of Maryland's Upward Bound program. With a master's degree in educational leadership focusing on curriculum and instruction, Janelle has focused on executive education leadership, specifically on curriculum and instruction, executive dysfunction, and executive function development for students in alternative education settings. She specifically has focused on differentiated professional development for teachers serving in alternative education settings. Janelle is a trained facilitator for both motivational interviewing and restorative practices through the International Institute of Restorative Practices. Having accumulated extensive experience with special education, mapping and writing high school curriculum and working with At Promise Youth, Janelle is currently putting this experiment to use at Sustainable Futures Public Charter School in Washington, D.C., where she is passionate about and committed to creating an innovative learning environment for at-promise youth and consistently doing what is truly best for students, even when such work is not easy for adults. Hi, Janelle. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing Thank you so much for dialing in. It's so great to speak with you. Um, and we just heard about your bio. Hopefully that I got everything in there. Um, you've done a lot of awesome stuff. And uh, I'm so excited to talk to you. So you heard a bit about the background, but it, what else should listeners know? I think one thing that I would say that I say to my students is that while I am still a little new to this, I'm also true to this. So <laughs> it's important sometimes to remind our students that, you know, don't let the suit or the you know, nice clothes fool you. I will still, you know, I understand where you are and, you know, where you're trying to be. And so it's the same with this new role that I'm in now as a school leader. Um, while I am new to this, I'm definitely true to the population of At Promise Youth that we've, that, you know, that we serve. I've been doing this for the majority of my career. Right, right, right. And you said that you were at one point one of these youths yes yes yeah 
Wow. Wow. So in, in you say the word at the term at promise and you're really intentional about using that term. Um, and oftentimes refer to students as at risk or high needs. But talk to me a little bit about that term at promise and what that means to you. So for us, at promise is a play on the term, you know, at risk or high needs. We think of those populations of students being students that are receiving special education services, students that are tied up in the juvenile justice system, they're in the foster care system, they're homeless, parenting, all of the different myriads of things that consider are considered risk factors. And so for us, what we see as risk in our students, these are life experiences that our students are gaining so much knowledge, so much wisdom, and so much insight from. And there's a promise there, right? Like what we right. take as conventional wisdom and conventional knowledge, our students are receiving and acquiring in very unconventional ways. Like some of our right. 17, 18, 19 year old students are going through things and have gone through things that some of our 50 and 60 year old, you know, folks will never see. And right. so when we talk about the idea of promise, there's a lot of promise there. It's just unlocking it, you know, and showing, reminding students that they are their biggest asset. They are their biggest cheerleader, but for students in systems that have consistently ostracized them, yeah. they, that's been kind of beaten out of them. And so half of the project within working with our students within itself is unlearning all the things that our students have been conditioned to know as what risk factors are and right. all the kind of negativity that comes with those titles and those terms. And so while we can say, oh, well, you know, what's in a name or it's not what you're called, it's what you respond to, that, that's easy to say. But when you're consistently yeah. called all of these negative, negative, negative titles and stereotypes, that becomes what you then ascribe to and then what you try to, you know, emulate. Wow. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think you said uh, once to me that their life, oftentimes just getting through life is a project. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, that's real. That's real. And so I, I love what you're doing. And I want I want you to elaborate more about that a little bit later. So tell us, what do you feel is your PBA? Well, I'm sorry, before we get to that, what brought you to project based learning? It was definitely the need to do something different, right? So I think, so when I was brought into this specifically with Sustainable Futures um, by the great Natasha Warsaw, I, she would say often like, I've been doing PBL and didn't know that's what it was called. And so I think <laughs> it's the same thing for me in my classrooms. Like we were doing projects and we were doing competency-based learning because I was more interested in the students acquiring the information than getting the grade. That was just my philosophy about learning because I love learning so much. So I want them to love <laughs> it too. And so the idea was around, let's do things that are relevant. So if you're, you know, project-based learning, making muffins is a project. You follow this recipe, you put it together, it's collaborative. Like all these things that we've done all our lives growing up, you know, I mean, us and our less, less youthful day like you know now that we're yes. a little more seasoned you and I yes. <laughs> um, we coming up in school that we're like games or community builders we're truly ways of learning and now yeah. it's this fancy term it's PBL but it's going back to some of those things that worked initially to re-engage students who had consistently been disengaged right. with the high stakes testing and the you know worksheets and things of that nature right absolutely 
Um, so, so what do you feel is your PBL superpower? At this point, I don't even know that I have one fully realized yet. I think I'm still mar- like I'm still waiting for you know that spider bite or whatever you know the PBL power gods to you know strike upon me. I think for us, just creating this space is probably the superpower. Like we have carved out this little space in DC to be an innovative powerhouse. Like PBL is happening nationwide. Um, competency-based learning is happening nationwide at risk quote air quotes programming is happening nationwide Mm -hmm. but nowhere are all three happening in the same space (laughs) and so I think the superpower right now is the fact that this even exists right because it is so new it is uncharted territory and so just being able to push through and maintain yeah probably is you know, requiring some superhuman strength, which is what I call my staff, superhumans. <laughs> like, they have to be. Yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you faced in, you know, introducing PBL to At Promise students who, like you said, have faced some really significant difficulties um, getting to this point. Oh, man, they don't, like, so our students are used to the credit recovery programs, right? So they're used to like, Explain let me come in for our packet. So basically credit recovery is, you know, if I'm over age, undercredited, which is another one of those quote risk factors for at-risk youth, then, you know, they do a summer program or a class online, a packet of work, and they get, they make up their credit because that's what you have to have to graduate. So many credits. And because we're competency-based, we don't do credits. Like, we don't ascribe to this Carnegie unit, seat time, sit here for a semester, get a credit. And so our students are kind of like, well, wait, what does that mean? Well, it means you have to be in school. (laughs) You have to participate in the project. You need all these different elements because they're all culminating to something larger. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. This that has been a whole paradigm shift for, you know, first. How have you introduced that? Like, how did you get students to wrap their brain around competency based learning? Honestly, to be fully transparent, I don't think we've done it well um, because I don't think we had the language to truly articulate what that looked like because, again, it hadn't been done in this way. And so it's taken, we're midway through our second trimester, and I think it's just now starting to be communicable. Like, it's just now the place where we're like, oh, this is what people, because we didn't know what we didn't know and not having... (laughs) You know, that's how it always works, right? And not having other folks to kind of bounce this off and really dig into the weeds of it, we didn't really yeah. understand what wasn't clicking. And now that we have students that are like, well, wait, how does this translate? Like, they're asking all the right questions and driving this innovative process and driving the iterations. And so now they're buying in because they're seeing, oh, if I am here, I have this many attempts at mastery. Like, it's not a let me get my packet of work and go do it in a corner and bring it back. It's I have to actually be here and show what I know. And once I do, I get to move on. Like that for them is a whole new concept because it's really seeing is believing. Like you can tell people anything. Like our students say, like, I'm not going to sell you a dream, right? So until they see it for real, it's all just talk. And now that there's actual tangible, oh, work products that demonstrate proficiency at this level. Okay, well, that qualifies you to move to the next ban and they now that they are seeing that movement in real life they're more committed to okay now I have to be here for these classes to get the 
information in this lab that I'm doing in my STEM studio so that I can have the data I need to even do the project. Right. It's all starting to make more sense now. But like I said, introduction, it really was trial and error and definitely probably more error than success on our (laughs) part initially because we didn't have the luxury of extended time with the staff, right? To build their knowledge and their agency to be able to communicate this program. Janelle. So you talked a little bit about how your staff was able to communicate some of the challenges they had in doing this and communicating competency-based learning to your students, um, sort of how that connects to project-based learning. Give us a story about a breakthrough PBL moment that you've had so far this year. I think the breakthrough moment has been watching the staff come into their own with PBL. Initially, we had the studios that were pre-planned. So the studio, the staff knew our learning facilitators is what we call our teachers. They knew what the project was supposed to be for the end of the trimester. And this upcoming trimester, for trimester three, the learning facilitators have had the agency to plan the studio and the final project themselves. And I think that... That's awesome. Seeing that excitement now that they understand building a project and the steps in between and how do we how we get there, kind of that backwards mapping, seeing their excitement of really buying in now and really this being something they can sell the students, their just agency for wanting to do it has grown even more. Um, and even within this current trimester, the seeing the students take ownership my learning facilitators in particular has been extremely exciting because she's doing humanities. And so you would think, well, what kind of projects can we really do in humanities? It's not as hands-on, it's reading, it's literature. And so for her, the excitement is seeing students read these very dense texts. They're reading like the Telltale Heart, um, all this like mm-hmm. Poe and things that students hadn't really even dug into before, but they're taking it, they're annotating it. And the project was for students to act out some of these classics and more of a modern reality tv format and the students (laughs) are taking that and running with it like they're saying we should really act this out and oh we have to do that i'm gonna do this for you know i want to be this raven i'm about like so they're seeing their (laughs) desire to really want to be this raven and and take their own perspective and put their own spin on some of these classics and really run with the project i think was has been the most exciting piece and the most kind of breakthrough PBL moment because it shows that our students are just as if not more (laughs) than qualified (laughs) and ready to engage in learning in this very interactive very student-centered student-driven way and the important piece is scaffolding it's it's meeting them where they are to get them where they need like just because our students have these literacy deficits and challenges doesn't mean socially socially and emotionally they're not at the level to have the conversation so for example with uh, yeah. you know the raven and talking about poe our students understand being heartbroken and wishing that your boob will come back like they get that and they understand somebody kind of messing <laughs> with them the whole time that's the the purpose <laughs> of the raven right and so having that conversation as a group and engaging students to really talk about it from where they are and then using the text um, and what Miss Lee does a fantastic job of digging in with the, with the students to look at the text and close read and scaffolding it for them. 
we're we're getting them those skills we're building those skills but they're still able to access it and I think that's been the biggest rub for our students all along is once you get to you know 10th 11th grade and you're not on grade level with reading you automatically get put in the remedial class and we do what our students call baby work no one wants to be thrown a c-spot run book like they can understand and have conversations about uh warring families and not being able to be with the person you love and about you know all of these quote high level Shakespeare classics that it's day to day they can compare real housewives with the thing the themes and the concepts going on in Shakespeare at 17 18 19 just unfortunately the system has failed them so that they're unable to pick up the book and read the story Mm. but if we can create a space that they're able to engage with this content now they're they're they, we've piqued their interest now they want to pick up that book and get that oh this is what's happening and that's what fusing the two for us that's that's the goal and that's what we're starting to see embers of kind of take place yeah here. yeah i i mean i have a couple of questions firstly i want to know what type of culture building activities did you do early on for staff and students to kind of really orient them to this new style of classroom. Um, And then also, I want to know what you have to say to folks who that maybe project-based learning can't work for students like yours who have been incarcerated, who have been in, you know, the foster care system, who have children themselves, and, and this is, you know, they're facing some significant deficits. What would you say to those folks? So that was kind of a twofold question there. <laughs> well, yeah, I think the so the set the latter question is definitely easier to answer um, because it mm-hmm. takes less um, reconciling what didn't go right. So for the latter part, it's easy to say, you know, it's it's reminding those naysayers that again, our students every day live a project like their life daily is a project trying to figure out how to make ends meet project trying to figure out child care project trying to get a job without a high school diploma project right so our students the best way to engage them is to meet them where they are and pull them in so for our youth pbl is the way right because when they see how this is directly relatable to what they need to do to survive when they see this is something tangible and hands-on that they can really dig into instead of sitting in a class and just sitting and, you know, if you turn in a couple worksheets, get a D and pass, then you've made it. For our students, mm-hmm. PBL is a real-time way to say, oh, what I'm doing is actually amounting to something bigger. Oh, and right. for our students specifically, students who have been through a lot of toxic stress, a lot of trauma, their executive functions are shot. And executive function is all about being able to organize, time manage, plan, delay gratification. Mm-hmm. Our students don't have that. <laughs> Our students need to see right here, right now, what is this doing for me? And mm-hmm. that's where traditional settings, they tend to check out. But if you yeah. can show students by completing this piece today, you've completed this section and it's a bigger, it's a piece in this bigger puzzle. Mm-hmm. that's a bet like our students are more likely to say okay well I can do this it's, it's old school it's chunking it's one of those you know best practices yeah. in the classroom now the yeah. culture and the community building that didn't necessarily go the way we intended for it to um mm-hmm. and that's been a huge learning piece right like in order yeah. to do this and do this well it does take a very 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 targeted intentional 
front loading and for staff time has just never been on our side as we've worked to develop this program um so we've had a very short runway to you know get a jumbo jet in the air and even when it's up here we're still kind of building it while it flies and that hey listen i don't want listen that (laughs) most doing a project right now they're trying to figure out okay what what am i doing right now right and, I <laughs> and think, your project is basically your school so okay. you are this is year one for you guys so don't worry about it <laughs> so janelle it's been awesome talking to you this evening um do you have any tips for your listeners especially for folks that are running wall-to-wall charters BL charter schools I would say keep pushing um, like you were saying our first year is a project like we're doing project-based learning right now by starting the school so learn from everything even when you think something isn't working or isn't going as you planned that's all data right and even the air quotes bad data or the air quotes fails that's all information that all informs our next steps And from, you know, for us from day one, it's been, yeah, we saw these things that didn't. And that's the other piece. Don't focus on what's not working so much that you forget what is. And I think we have not done the best job at celebrating what has worked. While we had this intentional plan about building community, our students have created their own community within themselves, right? Like we have students that met just now this year and when one of them fell on you know our times and found herself homeless another student took this young lady in like I got you come stay with me you know and so there are things happening organically and that's all part of PBL so your plan it may not be going as planned you may not be on the same you know on the day that you (laughs) the day of your project you built out so many days for these specific activities and you know it didn't happen that way but that's what real life is and if we're mirroring If project-based learning is to prepare students for the real world, nothing is more real than everything going wrong (laughs) and everything happening (laughs) at exactly the wrong time. Exhibit A, our whole podcast, we've tried to record this 20 times. So Okay. Listen. Listen. (laughs) Listen. We have overcome. We have. See, we we still here. We still here. We made it. (laughs) It's all me, y'all. I got to tell the listeners, you got to learn this whole app uh about podcasts this is all new to me so it's okay, okay. We, listen, we, technology will not defeat us today um <laughs> well thank you thank you so much now it's been a pleasure talking to you how can our listeners keep up with you and all of the cool stuff you're doing so we have a website <laughs> sustainablefuturespcs.org um they can email me directly and i can send them add them to our listserv for all of our updates and upcoming events and things. Um, Hopefully we'll have some more externally facing. I think this is the first, our first taste of, you know, semi-fame. So I'm not sure how to respond. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're famous now. Um, Twitter handle. Um, So my personal Twitter handle is original, um, like original, but my name. Um, I don't really okay. frequent the tweets as much. Uh, that's something I need to get back on. But uh, we have a Facebook account, Sustainable Futures Public Charter School. 
And so that's probably our most uh, hip way of keeping up with students. We're working on our students um, proctoring a Snapchat channel. So (laughs) hopefully that'll be in the works soon and we can have some, you know, as uh, recruitment and enrollment season is upon us, anybody who is, you know, looking for an alternative means towards a high school diploma, come find us in the D.C. area. We are looking to serve all of those at Promise Youth that need that alternative way to get that American dream. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, it's been awesome. Thank you so much, Janelle. And we will be keeping in touch and keeping up with sustainable futures. Have a great evening. Sounds good. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of PBL in Practice. I'm your host, Shayla Adams-Stafford. It's been awesome to chat with Janelle from Sustainable Futures. If you want to keep up with me, follow me on Twitter at Stafford underscore Shayla. Also, be on the lookout for the PBL in Practice blog coming soon. Have a great week.